Podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So with our special guest co-host, Tim Swartz, and our guest of the week, Steve Ward. Before we started this episode of the Paracast, we were talking briefly, kind of like laugh after death. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler here. And if you have not seen or heard about the last James Bond movie, No Time to Die, the spoiler, we want you to turn down your radio or your iPhone or your Galaxy phone to zero for about 20 seconds when I say this. Okay, are you ready? All right, the spoiler. At the end of the latest James Bond film, the last one in which Daniel Craig appears as Bond, James Bond, in the end... He dies, or appears to die. No, I didn't know that! (sighs) Sorry, folks. Obviously, we've seen people die before, and they come back. This echoes back to the film on Her Majesty's Secret Service, if you recall. That's where George Lazenby, an Australian actor, played Bond for one time. His co-star was Diana Rigg, just off from the Avengers where she played Emma Peel. And she marries Bond, but is killed off by Blofeld in the final scene. Bond says, we've got all the time in the world. And the closing theme of No Time to Die is the same song from Louis Armstrong, we've got all the time in the world. Okay, so the key here, of course, you wonder, if you kill off your lead character... How do you bring him back? Now, in Batman v Superman, they killed off Superman. But being a comic book story, they were able to bring back Superman. Now, maybe in the same way that new actors play James Bond all the time, they could bring back James Bond after offing him. But in one of the novels, was it, they actually did kill him off for a while, didn't they? Well, I think he was in, in You Only Live Twice. He was in uh, a confrontation with Blofeld. I think there was a huge explosion, and he's lost his memory. The last scene is where he's looking through his wallet or whatever, and he sees his identification card, but he can't quite remember who this guy is, and so he's going to think about it tomorrow. But, of course, in the – what was the next one? The Man with a Golden Gun. The next one was The Man with the Golden was Gun? The Man with the Golden Gun, yeah. That was the mm-hmm. last one, I think, that he wrote. And Bond comes back, and he has been uh, turned into sort of a Manchurian candidate, I think. I don't remember it too well, but he tries to kill one of the good guys before he regains his composure. So, But it's been a long time since I've read them. I read several of the Bond novels. And the problem was, then I go to the movies, and I watch the movie. And the movies... Beginning with Dr. No, which kind of had part of the novel in it, and continuing as the movies progressed, about all they had that resembled the novel was the title and a few plot elements. Everything else the screenwriters added. Yes, that's true. That for a while, they seemed to follow the, the stories. Now, I read somewhere that Ian Fleming wanted them to, after he died, to go their own way and make up their own plots, which doesn't sound right, but I read that somewhere. But it does, did seem to fit because uh, every Bond film then had something to do with outer space and uh, rockets capturing other rockets and uh, and death rays coming out of the sky and so forth, which uh, was quite a, a departure from some of the original novels. But if you look at the basic plot with Dr. No and No Time to Die – 
You have a mad scientist who has some kind of world-shattering weapon. Bond finds him with his girlfriend, in the case Bond's wife in No Time to Die, on an island, and at the end of the film, the island is destroyed. So in a very fundamental way, the plot of No Time to Die kind of calls back Dr. No. Right. We're not talking about James Bond here. We're talking about killing off main characters. Certainly in Batman v Superman, they killed off Superman, but found a way to resurrect him. And as you know from a comic book, it's easy to bring back a character. With Doctor Who, he or she is regenerated after being killed off. That's time for the next actor to take the role. So, of course, the (laughs) current Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker, will soon be replaced. Or maybe they've done that already. I don't know. I haven't watched the series for this year. But I don't know why we're talking to Steve Ward about death. I think we should talk more about high strangeness, which is something you very heavily focus on. Steve, how did you get involved in searching for the unknown? Well, I guess, uh, uh, unlike some people, there a lot of people that get into this have uh, had a, a, an amazing experience. They've seen a strange light in the sky or had some kind of a close encounter. Maybe they grew up in a haunted house. I was more of a science fiction buff. And uh, I even had a, a space map, a, a solar system map, when uh, well, long before they demoted Pluto to uh, you know obscurity. And uh, I think uh, my, my interest started with... Uh, I was introduced to the books of Frank Edwards. Of course, he wrote those great anthologies in the old days, like Stranger Than Science, Strangest of All, and some of the the classic UFO cases, like the Flatwoods Monster, uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins, I read there from Frank Edwards. And uh, and then uh, in March of 1966, I grew up just north of Detroit in Michigan, and uh, of course, there was a huge wave. It wasn't just in Michigan, but throughout the Midwest, they had a, a huge wave of flying saucer reports. And we had uh, had some very uh, competent witnesses, a lot of police officers and so forth. There was even a landing on the Frank Manor Farm, which was in Dexter, uh, Dexter, Ann Arbor, Hillsdale. These were places not far from me. And while I was in junior high at the time and didn't have any wheels to go play UFO investigator, it was sort of like having the the invading alien hordes landing in your backyard so that was uh that was very cool and of course eventually we started a high school ufo club and so forth but just a few months after that november of 1966 the first major flyover of the mothman took place even before they actually gave him a name and so i i think uh, that's really what triggered it and then you know i started uh, actually going to my local library finding uh any kind of books i could on uh, on ufos especially ufos i wasn't terribly interested in uh and ghosts or, or anything like that at the time. And there wasn't too much uh, being reported about uh, Bigfoot, although I remember a chapter in one of Frank Edwards' books. I think it was something like The Monster Apes of Oregon. That may have been the first place I ever read about Bigfoot. So it was that uh, early exposure to uh, some of the literature and actually having a wave of interesting sightings going on right in my backyard. Well, of course, the Michigan cases led to the congressional hearings because one of them occurred in the district that was represented by Congressman Gerald Ford. 
Yes, he kind of lit a fire under everybody. I, I remember, uh, I think it was in, you know, Jacques Vallée has written these great uh, memoirs, uh, journals, I should say, called Forbidden Science. And each one covers a decade, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s so far. Well, he talks about uh, how, uh, of course, he was in contact with Heineck. They were friends and colleagues at the time. Heineck apparently contacted Blue Book because he was associated with Blue Book at the time and said, uh, you know, there's all these sightings going on in Michigan. Would you like me to go there? And it was, no, don't worry about it. We're not, we haven't had any, you know, civilians report to us, so we're just going to let it go. Well, Jared Ford wanted to know what the heck was going on and why the government wasn't doing something about it. So the next day, according to Valet, uh, Heineck was on a plane to Michigan, and that started the, I guess you could call it the swamp gas fiasco. Or is the swamp gas tour. Yes. <laughs> the As we might call tour. it. And it's interesting to think that this congressman is going to become the accidental vice president in the following decade, and then the president of the United States. Our guest is Stephen Ward, joining us for the first time, telling us about his background in UFO research, about the sightings in Michigan that led to congressional hearings. Our guest co-host is Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. 
I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We continue with Stephen Ward. Steve, you were telling us about what happened and began to describe what I call the Swamp Gas Tour and I think it took a long time for Dr. Heineck to live that one down. Go on. Yes. Valet does a, a good job of, of saying what happened. But I actually, 10 years later, I was able to attend the MUFON, uh, Mutual UFO Network, symposium in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And this was, was really amazing because uh, while I did have wheels at that time, I didn't have a lot of money and uh, any kind of a, a per diem to actually go traipsing all over the world. So Ann Arbor was just a stone's throw from where I lived. There was, there was a great uh, symposium. You had Dr. Hynek. You had uh, Ray Stanford was there. Jerome Clark was in speaking for Jacques Vallée. So Dr. Hynek told us in his own words, he had a, a great a speech called Swamp Gas Plus 10 and Counting. So he, he told us what happened. And he was, he was still, of course, he was tied to Project Blue Book. But by this time, he was realizing that there was really something very substantive to this and that a lot of the people were very credible. So what he said was, and I actually, somewhere I have the recording, I was there with my, my cassette recorder and I transferred some of this over to CD. But he, what he actually said was that he thought that some of the reports, possibly in the ones in Hillsdale, might be due to swamp gas. Well, of course, that's all the press needed. The mystery was solved. UFOs were swamp gas. But it was uh, it was great to see him speak. 
there was a lot of self-depreciating humor there. He actually showed us these great cartoons that came out at the time. You know, you'd see a uh, a bunch of little green men who have just landed in their flying saucer. They have these horrible weapons of mass destruction, and they've accosted some human on the street, and they said something like, take us to the one that called us swamp gas. Yeah. But it was really great to see Heineck as one of the good guys now. He was uh, separated for a while from Project Blue Book and had started the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston, Illinois. So that was just a, a, f- a fantastic conference and great to uh, to finally actually talk to some of these people. I remember talking to James Webb, who wrote uh, 1973, Year of the Humanoid, Year uh, of the Humanoids. And uh, boy, I was just in seventh heaven during that uh, symposium. Yeah, I remember Dr. Heineck slightly because I met him a couple of times. I interviewed him once. Unfortunately, I do not have the recording anymore. If I did, you'd hear it, folks. And he was just such a nice guy. Really, really gentle spirit. Nothing like the guy on that Project Blue Book TV show, which had only the vaguest resemblance to the real Dr. Heineck. He was not an action hero. But let's go back to the other event here because you raise the specter we go to Bond again. Specter. Not that kind of specter. The specter of Mothman. You heard about Mothman. You were interested. Tell me more. Well, it, it was the 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 uh, this first sighting. I guess it wasn't actually the first, but the the one where the two couples, the Scarberries and the Mallets, were in the TNT area. Now, the TNT area is north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and Point Pleasant lies right on the Ohio River in the Ohio Valley. The TNT area was a place where uh, they they actually created munitions for the World War II effort. And if you look at the old black and white photographs, you can see you see this great complex of all these buildings, which were pretty much demolished back in at that time period, November fifteenth, nineteen sixty six. The old North Power Plant, the ruin, was still standing there, and these two married couples. Uh, the Scaraberries and the Mallets were cruising around this TNT area. Now this area is called the McClintic Wildlife Area. But even back in the 60s, it was very desolate. Uh, if you go there nowadays, it's it's a perfect setting for a horror movie, uh, it, even in the daytime. And at night, it's really creepy. Well, they came across they, this, this uh, six or seven foot humanoid-like being with wings and piercing red glowing eyes. And it scared the heck out of them. They, they uh, raced south down Route 62 into Point Pleasant, and this thing apparently chased after them for a while. Well, that was the first big sighting. This thing hit the wire services, I guess, all over the world. That's why I saw it as a kid in junior high in Michigan. And then the, the sightings kept uh, gathering after that. And, of course, uh, eventually John Keel got involved and started doing research there. Now, his book, The Mothman Prophecies, wasn't published till about 10 years later. So I would hear, you know, he would write an article now and then, and he covered it uh, – covered some of the Mothman experience in Strange Creatures from Time and Space, which I think is now called The Guide to Mysterious Beings. And so I, I, I followed, started following Keel and, and other researchers. And I even actually, you know, I uh, 
you, you guys remember back in the old days, UHF channels. Well, I, I got a, a black and white TV set from my grandparents, and it was blessed to have these these bizarre channels, you know, channel 50 or whatever. Well, I was getting in all these great uh, talk shows from New York City. So I would hear shows like Les Crane, uh, Joe Pine, and Alan Burke. Well, one day on Alan Burke, he had Ivan Sanderson on, the great British naturalist who was a friend and colleague of John Keel. Well, John Keel was in the audience, and he would come up like they, they would have that speaker like they do now where the audience members could come up and talk. And they, I think the topic that night was uh, the Bermuda Triangle. So back then, I, with in combination with the interest in the Mothman, UFOs, and starting to read some of Keel's stuff, that kind of pulled me into the whole area of the Mothman. And then in 76, I think it was, when I had already read a couple other books by Keel, but I was waiting breathlessly for the Mothman Prophecies hardcover. Didn't sell very well, but I was one of the first ones out there to buy that thing in, in hardcover with the old dust jacket. And the next year, I took a trip down to Point Pleasant just to kind of see what everything looked like. We're going to go on that visit with Steve in a second, just to mention that I think the Mothman Prophecies was probably, in a way, one of the biggest paydays for John Keel because he sold the rights to a movie. Now, the movie wasn't quite the story, although maybe it was because it captured it in a more paranormal way, and maybe you didn't get that impression from the book quite as much. But that enabled John Keel to buy a car, and he kept going for a few years, and then, of course, everything petered out. But that's not the story. Unfortunately, we would have loved to have interviewed John Keel. But by the time he was at a point where we had the radio show going, he was rather old and irascible. He was always irascible. But he was old and irascible. And when my former co-host called John Keel... His first comment was, who gave you my phone number? <laughs> it was Tim Beckley, but, you know, it doesn't matter. And we really wanted him on. It would have been great to have had him on because I knew John Keel on and off for a number of years. Unfortunately, it was never to be. Okay, so we're talking here about your studies of Mothman. The book, The Mothman Prophecies, comes out from John Keel. And in our next segment, we're going to talk about what did you do next? Steve Ward is our guest. Tim Swartz, our special guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. The Supreme Court is considering the Biden administration's vaccine mandate on large employers. During oral arguments about the mandate, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor stated, We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in serious condition, many on ventilators, from COVID-19. In reality, there are about 4,000 children in hospitals from coronavirus. Flight delays and cancellations are continuing to plague travelers over a week into 2022. Total cancellations topping 3,000 Saturday with 1,100 within, into, or out of the United States. Airports along the East Coast are bearing the brunt of the problems as heavy snowfall moves through the area. And you're listening to USA Radio News. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is withholding nearly $2 billion in Hurricane Harvey relief aid earmarked for Texas. Federal agencies saying the state has failed to send in paperwork detailing how the funds will be spent. Four years after Congress approved over $4 billion in aid, nearly half remains unallocated. An annual event is set to take place later in January. March for Life organizers said the event will proceed as planned the 49th annual annual March for Life will take place days after the D.C. vaccination mandate kicks in. The March for Life will modify some of its indoor events due to the new COVID-19 regulations. The March for Life, set for January 21st, is a massive pro-life demonstration that's followed the anniversary of the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision, which legalized abortion nationwide in 1973. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. This is USA Radio News. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. Shopsupertea.com. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Steve, the book came out. Tell us more. 
Well, I was fascinated by the book, and we've all read books of of some description where we wanted to go to the place that it talked about. Now, especially uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, had become kind of a, a magical place. There were all kinds of things that happened there. Mary Heyer, who was the newspaper reporter that became a friend and colleague of John Keel, chronicled a lot of these events. Uh, UFOs were being sighted all the time. There were Men in Black encounters and so forth. The fascinating book. But before I get to what I did, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Richard Haddam is the man that wrote the screenplay to the Mothman prophecies. And I guess, from what I understand, from Brent Rains, who wrote a book on John Keel, Keel had resisted selling the rights for a long time. But he, when he read Richard Haddam's screenplay, he thought. It finally touched on some of the ideas, you know, even though they updated the the time period, they made his character married and so forth. It wasn't obviously it wasn't a documentary. It wasn't a carbon copy of the book. But Keel was almost giddy, apparently, with what he saw in that screenplay. The other thing is, I found out, was that half of the manuscript of the Mothman Prophecies was cut out and, and landed on the cutting room floor. Fortunately, some of that survived in the Eighth Tower. John Keel also told Brent Rains that if he had written down everything that had happened during that time period, it could have easily filled six books. But of course, I knew nothing about this when I took uh, my pilgrimage down there. I had been visiting some friends in the summer south of Buffalo. And so I decided that I was going to head down to Point Pleasant and just take a look at this area myself. And so I went down there, got there late one night, and stumbled onto the Low Hotel, which is a an old classic uh, hotel, and stayed there that night. And I had somehow I had a map of the TNT area, so I kind of knew where to go. Back then, you could actually drive into the TNT area, kind of like the Scarberries and the Mallets did during that first uh, encounter. But now, now you can't. You can walk back to where all these uh, concrete igloos are. The, 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 these are the bunkers where they stored the munitions during World War II, uh, and they're all covered with foliage and so forth. They, they were meant to uh, hide the explosives from the enemy should they uh, fly over. Well, wasn't too worried about the enemy flying over at that point. Now, I, my memories are very vague. I wish I had taken more photographs at the time. But I did find the old North Power Plant, which was still standing then. They demolished it back in the 90s, I believe. So I found it. I started walking out there with my camera. A gentleman in a hard hat came out and met me halfway and asked me what was I doing there. And I explained what I was doing there. And he kind of rolled his eyes and he says, I remember. Now, the thing is, this was only 10 years after the bridge collapse because that culminated at the, at the end of most of these sightings. The last thing I was going to do is go around town asking people if they saw the Mothman. So I did not want to run into somebody that lost a family member or uh, a friend on the bridge that night. Anyway, the, his only concern was he allowed me to go in the power plant and take pictures. He just wanted to make sure I didn't kill myself. I guess kids would go out there, they'd climb on the building, go inside, and they'd fall, and there'd be injuries. And even back then, he said they were planning on demolishing it because it was such a hazard. And I took some great photographs of that of that building, which I've just, in the last couple of weeks, I've been up in the attic trying to find them. 
you'll be the first to know if I do find them. That was, uh, for me, that was just a, an amazing trip. I uh, remember having a, a breakfast in town, and like I say, if I had had the presence of mind, I would have shot dozens of rolls of, of film there so that I could have remembered clearly what it was like but this is back in 77 so this goes back a few years and then my next time next visit was 2006 to my first mothman festival let me ask you a question here are they still running mothman festivals there Yes, uh, the last couple of years were canceled for obvious reasons. Sure. But uh, I started uh, as a carefree uh, visitor in 2006, buying everything with Mothman stamped on it. This this is a great place to go, by the way, even off season, even when they're not. That the festival occurs normally every third week in September. Jeff Wamsley. And Carolyn Harris, Carolyn is no longer with us, but they were the co-founders of the festival back about 2001, and it's grown and grown. I mean, the last few times, you had something like 10, 12,000 people there. It's in the open air. The speakers uh, go for two days, Saturday and Sunday, down at the State Theater. It's right on the Ohio River. There's a beautiful amphitheater there. The Mothman, the majestic Mothman statue is right there in town, right next to the Mothman Museum. Jeff Wamsley is also the curator of that museum, and they have done a phenomenal job in putting that together. There's nothing nothing cheap or, or haphazard about it. He's got all kinds of articles and about uh, whether you look at it as history or folklore, he's got it all covered. He's got memorabilia from the film. He even has John Keel's white suit in a glass case, which is awesome. And they also have a section where you can buy souvenirs, T-shirts, and uh, and that sort of thing. It's all a very high-quality merchandise. They've got a bookshelf, and it's just a phenomenal place to go. And during the festival, when I went there in 2006, I just had a wide grin on my face because you're there with like-minded people that you can actually talk to about these things and not – you know, you can actually admit that you research the paranormal or the unknown. And you. And over the years, I've been able to speak to – I became friends with uh, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who was another uh, a great mind that we lost. Uh, became friends with Stan Gordon. He was just on my show recently. And, and, and so many of the people, Nick Redfern and all these people are so approachable. And uh, it, it's just a, a phenomenal uh, – uh, experience. As the years went by, I became kind of uh, absorbed into the festival because now I uh, often will uh, introduce the speakers. I, I help out ahead of time setting up things in the TNT area. We set it up a little bit like a Halloween hayride because Saturday night, there are three tractors that pull these wagons behind them, and it will take you through the dreaded TNT area in the dead of night with a guaranteed flyover of the Mothman. Uh, maybe not the Mothman, but a reasonable facsimile. And <laughs> hey, let me, let me before yes. we get into the sales pitches for the Mothman Festival, obviously they found a way to turn this into a tourist attraction just as they did in Roswell, New Mexico for that particular case. What have we learned about Mothman, though, from the original event, from all the time you spend talking to people? Let's focus more on not just the festival, and we hope it does well, and we hope that as we, again, talking about hope, get past the pandemic where it becomes less injurious to us, they could have festivals like this more regularly. What do we know about Mothman that 
relates, if any way, to the paranormal? Well, that kind of, for me, it goes back to my, my uh, frame of mind in the 1960s. I thought we were dealing with uh, extraterrestrial visitors landing on Earth in their egg-shaped craft, taking soil samples, and sometimes taking us for an unscheduled medical examination. Now, as time went on, uh, I think the book that really actually turned my head was Keel's Operation Trojan Horse, which I read uh, some time before the Mothman Prophecies. And that's where Keel, of course, makes a case that many of these things seem to be connected. And I was barely recovering from that, and I read Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia. So that put me those those two researchers uh, looking at this thing as as possibly something beyond nuts and bolts or merely flesh and blood entities put me on a different track. So I began to believe that we had to really listen to what people have been reporting. What is their experience? Kind of uh, try to uh, pull back our preconceived ideas and actually listen to the experiencers. Of course, we're always trying to assess the credibility of, of people. But so here, my point is this. Let's make the point in our next segment, okay? We'll make that point in the next segment with Stephen and Gene and him. You're in the Pentecost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? 
I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual. And this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, of course, here, reading Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée, reading Operation Trojan Horse by John Keel, setting a frame of mind about what might be going on here, and now we're evaluating what was going on and the experiencers involved in Mothman. Not just people seeing something, but a lot more. Steve Ward, go on. Well, when you start to gather the reports together, Keel talked to about a little over 100 people that year and, and what they saw. Most of them described essentially the same thing. Not everybody. Most of them described something about six, seven feet tall, man-like, about a 10-foot wingspan, red glowing eyes, dark grayish in color, all kinds of anomalies. If we are trying to think of this thing as some kind of a hidden creature – it didn't always flap its wings. Its wingspan was 10 feet, which may not have been enough to actually lift something that size anyway in a biological sense. And also some witnesses said it didn't actually flap its wings. It would put its wings behind it and sometimes take off straight like a helicopter. So Keel did seem to uh, find some uh, kind of weird footprints near the TNT power plant that may have been associated with Mothman. But uh, there were some aspects that seemed where you could say, well, it's more like an apparition. And others would say, well, no, it's a little bit more like uh, an unknown animal. But then Keel also received some reports of people that were close to it that heard something like a humming sound or a mechanical sound, maybe implying it was some kind of a drone. So when people ask me, 
what was the Mothman? I say, well, it was really, it was a paradox. If you listen to the reports, it doesn't seem to make sense in the way that we understand physics and biology. I think we can reject some ideas. There are, I, I still hear people think that, well, the, uh, the TNT area, it was a, an area that was polluted. They did do a big uh, cleanup in the 90s, and it's true. Many think that it's some kind of a mutant or hybrid. And I would say, well, from what we know of mutations, radiation and chemical mutations, I, I don't think you're going to get some kind of a perfect hybrid that can function like a humanoid and fly like a bird. A mutation, I think, would be much different and maybe not even functional. And then, you know, people say, well, it was a, an ET. Well, I guess it was seen a couple times and associated with, uh, you know, cert certain lights in the sky, but I'm not sure that that makes sense either. So when people ask me what the Mothman was, I'm, uh, John Keel didn't really know either. We do, really don't know, we, but we can't, uh, I wouldn't reject some of these reports simply because they don't all fit together. So it, it still is a mystery. But then if we look at other cryptids, there are some similarities, the, the red glowing eyes and so forth. So, again, it, it still is a mystery, but we it's important. It's so important with not just the Mothman, but with all these things we get into to listen to the reports that what people actually experience and try to derive some sense of it from that point. Well, the thing about Mothman is that it has legs, and I'm, and, I'm, yes. and I'm not talking about its physical legs. I'm talking about how how many years has it been since, you know, 1966, 67, 68, when uh, all of this was going on in Point Pleasant, yet here we are still talking about Mothman. It hasn't gone away. It's been seen in, in other places. Well, it was a, it's one of these classic high strangeness areas, or call it a vortex portal window area, as Keel did. Those are the areas that fascinate me. Uh, oftentimes, there seems to be some sort of a cryptid that might be predominant in that area, along with strange aerial phenomena and uh, even animal mutilations, time loss, and, and that sort of thing. But no, it has But the thing is that we have to, I think we have to be a little careful. A lot of times there'll be some kind of a winged creature sighted. And people will say, oh, the Mothman's back. Well, if we really look at some of these reports, this very seldom do you get something that looked exactly like this thing did. I mean, it almost looked like it didn't have a head. The The eyes were sort of sunken down in its chest area, or so it seemed. The only, actually, the only other sighting that I can think of that looked a lot like the Mothman was one that took place almost exactly three years earlier in Kent, England. Uh, three years earlier than November 15th, 1966. It was uh, November 14th, I think, 63 in Kent, England. And a group of teenagers were coming back from a dance. They saw this strange light land behind a, uh, a group of trees, and then this Mothman-like creature appeared, and it, it kind of shuffled like the other Mothman did in the TNT area. It, uh, it, had, uh, it didn't have red glowing eyes, but it appeared to them that it may not have had a head at all. But it was very, very similar in structure. Now, we get a lot of other wind creatures. We had the, what, the Houston man bat in the 50s. We had uh, the Wisconsin, no, the, the Houston Batman. Then we had the Wisconsin man bat, uh, maybe 
10 or 15 years ago. Linda Godfrey covered that one. And that thing looked like a big, kind of a big, ugly bat that a man and his son encountered in their car. It came up to the windshield and fluttered away. And they both had very, very negative reactions from it. I mean, physical, uh, a physical sickness from it, nausea and so forth. So... I think maybe maybe we should put them in kind of a, the category of winged creatures or winged apparitions. I like the term the phantom menagerie. You guys, I'm sure, are familiar with uh, Forbidden Planet and remember mm-hmm. the idea of monsters from the id. It almost seems to me like sometimes these things are just uh, coming out of the, the, the subconscious and, uh, and manifesting because we get such a variety. You know, we seldom get, when we look at cryptids, uh, entities that land in ufos even the the structures the craft themselves there doesn't seem to be uh, ones that are specifically the same or exactly the same it seems like there's quite a variety of all these things parenthetically before tim drops in with the question i'll just say about forbidden planet you watch that film watch leslie nielsen before he became funny and imagine if William Shatner watched Forbidden Planet before he became Captain Kirk. Tim? Oh, I love Forbidden Planet, by the way. Yeah. That's one of my, one of my favorite uh, movies, so way ahead of its time. But you know, I was going to ask you, you brought up the red eyes. Now, that's something that we see in a lot of cryptid cases, not just, you know, uh, winged entities, but just, you know, all kinds of, of bizarre types of creatures. And and John Keel himself speculated that perhaps there's nothing behind the red eyes. There's just the red eyes and that uh, then, you know, our conscious or subconscious, whatever, kind of uh, then creates a creature uh, behind it. I mean, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, what's your musing on this, on the whole red eye phenomenon? I mean, gosh, you could you could write uh, an entire book just on red-eyed entities. Yes, um, yeah, I know. Keel talked about. Uh, now, of course, his thinking wasn't static, and you know he opposed many ideas, but one of them was that the the really the real uh, 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 the aspect of these experiences that were objectively real were the strange lights, or like you said, the eyes. And that people were being programmed. They, some people would see a, a shambling hairy biped. Others might see a giant uh, triangle uh, in the sky. But so he would question as to whether or not uh, some of the things were physically real. He, he used terms like uh, paranormal mimicry. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, my favorite word that he used was transmogrification. And the only other place I've ever heard that, I think, is in the Kelvin and Hobbes comic strip, when Calvin pulls out his transmogrifier. But uh, it's it may be that, I don't think this is the complete answer, but it may be that uh, as some of these uh, apparitions, some of these creatures are perhaps co-created or we do determine uh its shape or appearance based on the uh, call it the collective consciousness or or what have you uh that some of these some aspects of these beings seem to be very elusive and very uh uh very non-physical very non-stable and so uh but that doesn't seem to uh, you know there, there's a, definitely a physicality 
about so many of these things. They leave footprints. Sometimes they leave hair samples. They uh, people have been in physical contact with them. Uh, so uh, it, but it is, but it is interesting that uh, a lot of Bigfoot creatures, uh, Mothman, uh, the Dogmen, some of the Dogmen, these upright canids, and other, you know, you get some of these one-off creatures too with glowing eyes. More glowing yes. eyes coming up with Stephen, <laughs> Tim, and Gene. Glowing eyes. You're in the Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The large question here is whether Tim Swartz had glowing eyes when he said the Paracast <laughs> in our previous segment. Steve Ward's with us. We're talking about creatures with glowing eyes. He raised the specter of the co-creation hypothesis. Of course, our old friend Greg Bishop has talked with us a lot about that. Steve, go on. Well, remember, uh, Stan Gordon did uh, a great, uh, great research in Pen- in Pennsylvania, and there was this great wave of uh, Bigfoot and UFO reports uh, in seventy three, seventy four. These particular Bigfoots were 
very strange. I think think some of these guys had green glowing eyes. They uh, made sounds like a baby crying. Uh, allegedly, sometimes when they were shot, they would disappear into a flash of light or remain completely unaffected. One of the witnesses said when he, he was sure he hit it, and it sounded like it went into a, a water, the bullet. And again, these were connected with strange-looking lights and maybe even strange-looking craft. Well, then, let's go over to some of the basic sightings in, say, the Northwest. They don't necessarily have those kinds of trappings, the red glowing eyes and so forth, although some of those apparently flesh-and-blood cryptids do seem to exhibit some paranormal activity. Uh, Ron Moorhead, out in the middle of nowhere, the Sierra Nevadas, has found footprints that that stopped dead. One of the ideas that was presented a long time ago was this paranormal mimicry. You have perhaps some have some real unknown animals off in the Northwest. You have some UFOs that possibly are extra-dimensional or come from other planets that are physical and solid. But they have this mechanism somehow in human consciousness that mimics them, and then we get these sort of counterfeit Bigfoots in Pennsylvania that evaporate when you shoot them or, or have a short existence span. I like the word counterfeit. Wouldn't you rather say temporary? Yes, well, a, a, the, 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 the temporary manifestation, I think of sometimes as a counterfeit of what might be the real flesh and blood creature. Again, we, we look at what people are experiencing, and at one level, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, I visited, uh, there's a gentleman named Lee Hampel who lives, uh, who has a farm just off of Bray Road. And he has become a colleague of Linda Godfrey. And of course, we know Linda has written a, a great series of books on these dogman sightings, starting with the Beast of Bray Road. But of course, she's covered all kinds of interesting cryptids. Well, this man is a, uh, a retired mathematics teacher, uh, 45 years in the uh, Illinois school system, a man of science. He starts... Uh, uh, farming after his retirement on this piece of land and some of the locals are telling him things like you know there's a werewolf that lives in your woods back there and he's saying, what are you talking about and then he's having credible people tell him that there's something some upright canid or whatever and then he sees it himself he starts putting out trap cameras that that uh where these things some kind of an animal is taking bait away but not photographed and then he starts getting we, we saw a, a bunch of these photographs at the last beast of bray road conference uh last october and for two hours we're sitting there seeing these incredible photographs he's got over all his property of of things that look like classic ufos weird machinery uh footprints to start in the middle of nowhere in the snow and then end somewhere and so he uh he actually contacted linda godfrey after he found out some of this stuff was real and he told linda he said you know if i had seen one of your books three months earlier i would have thrown it in the trash but now he's convinced that there's something he has even used the word portal. He has tried to get uh, universities involved. He has sent photographs of the tracks to the DNR and to other experts, and they all tell him. One one woman told him apparently that he's a liar. He he made it up. So.
somebody else told him that he he bought uh, pogo sticks from some store and was jumping in the snow to make these tracks. Uh, but I, I, you know, talked to him one on one. The Bucks County Paranormal Team out of Pennsylvania were there one night, and they've got a half hour video up where something was out there howling back and forth. I don't know what it was, but they said they saw eye shine six feet off the ground. Plus, they saw a strange light in the sky that was moving erratically. So again, you've got one of these areas where credible people are experiencing something, but it is so hard to put it together and make sense of it. Uh, these creatures, these dogmen, act like animals. They eat roadkill. They eat bait. Yet, there's some kind of, it seems, some kind of technology that prevents them from being photographed. And But there is something very, very strange that seems high-tech going on on this property. So to try and reconcile that is enough to give you a headache. But uh, So that's why I'm just very interested in all these areas where and, and why. Why is the this dog man? Now, he said he's seen other types of creatures on this property. One is more like a hyena kind of a creature that sounds like something from the Skinwalker Ranch. But, you know, how do we reconcile the, the high-tech aspects and then the, the cryptid aspects? The dog man don't make any sense. Mothman didn't really make any sense as a real creature. And, of course, the, uh, the area that you're referring to is in Wisconsin. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, right near Elkhorn, Wisconsin, in fact. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the difference, though, is that this is a location where these kind of occurrences have been going on for quite a while. If neighbors warned this guy after he uh, moved in there oh, yeah. that, that there's weird stuff, uh, while the Mothman activity that took place at Point Pleasant seems to have had really just kind of a short lifespan. Uh, although there were some reports back uh, in, around World War II, uh, up the uh, around the uh, Elk River, Elk River kind of comes down and feeds into the Ohio. I think it all connects together. Maybe it's the Kanawha it feeds into. But they were seeing uh, some, there was a book of folklore called the Haunted Valley that talks about these. Uh, winged these, these birdmen with red plumage with about 12 foot wingspan and bald heads seen uh, above and people were keeping their children in <laughs> at, at night and even during the daytime and uh, it's just this brief uh, series of sightings of these birdmen this is like i say about world war ii if you go back a few years earlier there is the the elk river bridge collapsed Mm. it collapsed on december 15th like the bridge collapsed in point pleasant west virginia not an uh you know it was a kind of odd number of years probably just a coincidence and maybe these other birdmen had nothing to do with this other bridge collapse i don't really think that the the mothman or this apparition caused the bridge collapse and i'm not even sure like some think it was a harbinger but you know when you when you talked earlier about having legs all these things seem to have legs they have it's like you throw the pebble in the pond and these ripples go out in all kinds of directions and you gather all this information and you think well this is going to solve it right and it just kind of makes it more and more mysterious well and uh in the Point Pleasant area, while Mothman was going on, I mean, there were also all kinds of 
other unusual activity, UFOs, men in black. I mean, you know, you could just uh, 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 make up a list that uh, it would be, you know, like a ufologist uh, uh, dream of, of weird activity going on at the same time. And here's something else to kind of throw in. There was a Swedish researcher whose name escapes me at the moment, but uh, he followed John Keel in just a, a couple of years afterwards and re uh, uh, and actually talked to some of the original witnesses of the Mothman and found more. Many of them had outbreaks of a poltergeist phenomena mm. in their homes afterwards. So how do you, you know, how do you tie this to an unknown creature? Here's here's another bizarre connection that kind of possibly bring this back to the dogman. I was listening to a gentleman, a retired professor from Wayne State University at a Michigan MUFON meeting. He was talking about his research into Bigfoot and UFOs in Michigan. And it wasn't really for public consumption, but he had some claim to have some weird experiences but the thing that stood out let's find out about the thing that stood out though in our next segment with steve and tim and gene you're in the paracast hey listeners i want you to have the entire paracast experience so i'd like to tell you about after the paracast After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, DHA, Insist on IFOS Omega-3 Fatty Acid Certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. What stood out is that strange voice that regaled us in the previous segment with Tim Swartz. Steve Ward, go on, please, about what stood out. That was a very regaling voice, by the way. We're so regaled that we're seeing all sorts of creatures appear in our midst. Well, John Keel, when he investigated the North Power Plant after the sighting, he'd gone down there and interviewed a lot of the witnesses, original witnesses that had just had sightings of the Mothman. He found these strange little skinny footprints or whatever that uh, he thought perhaps might belong to this thing. But he also found what he called large dog-like footprints. And he said they must have been made by a very heavy animal, two or 300 pounds, because of the way it was depressed into the ground. So I thought the same professor, is he had said this in his lecture. He said, we keep finding these dog-like footprints in these paranormal hotspots. And I thought, this is like 50 years apart. Also, in the Mothman Prophecies, Teal talks about this. He says that he consulted with Ivan Sanderson. Again, Ivan Sanderson was the uh, great British naturalist transplanted to New Jersey, friend and colleague of John Keel. He, I guess his most famous book was probably Abominable Snowman, Legend Come to Life. And uh, he wrote great books on UFOs and the unexplained. Sanderson said, yes, we keep finding these large dog-like footprints in these areas. It's unfortunate there's no more information than that. And these people are long gone. We can't ask them. With regard to Ivan Sanderson, there are a couple of interviews that one of our other co-hosts, Bob Zanotti, has with Ivan Sanderson that he recorded for his Coffee Clutch radio show in the 1960s. And in the very near future, we're going to offer them up for listeners to our premium service, the Paracast Plus, just to let you know. Steve, go on. So I I consulted with Linda Godfrey and asked what she thought about it. She was familiar with the passage in the Mothman Prophecies and so forth. And she said, yes, they do find these footprints, not necessarily 
you know, with the sighting of the animal that made it. Uh, she wanted to warn me. She said, you have to be very careful these days because they're finding people that are actually faking these footprints, people that are knowledgeable about these sightings. And I guess uh, somebody that knows tracks and so forth, it's, it's pretty easy to determine. But she said people should be very careful about jumping on the bandwagon when they see an unusual footprint that somebody might be having a little bit of fun. But here's my point. You've got four researchers separated by half a century, all telling us that large dog-like footprints keep showing up in these paranormal hotspots. It's only been kind of recently that we've been hearing reports about the dogmen, and not just uh, near Elkhorn in Wisconsin off Bray Road, but all over the world, really. A lot of people are sort of coming out of the closet with their story, and I wonder if if it was you know, almost acceptable to be able to talk about your Bigfoot report, even as strange as that might be. But boy, an upright canid about six feet tall with yellow eyes. No, we're going to stay away from that. But anyway, this is another one of these interesting possible parallels that it's so hard to make sense of. What would that tell us about these types of creatures if these footprints are prevalent we have four researchers, Linda Godfrey, uh, this gentleman from a uh, retired Winston University professor, Ivan Sanderson and John Keel, all saying that these footprints, these large dog-like footprints, show up in these paranormal hotspots. These are researchers separated by half a century. Uh, so you wonder, what's going on here? What does it say about the nature of the dogman? You know, a lot of these uh, reports are coming to the service now. People are talking about that they've seen these things 20 years ago, but they just shut up about it. It's almost like, in a way, that as strange as a Bigfoot report is, that maybe it's not quite so unacceptable to say they saw something like that in the woods that might have been a Bigfoot. But an upright canid with glowing eyes, that might might have been a little bit too much around the bend. But now more and more of those reports are coming out, and they seem to exist in conjunction with other stuff that goes on in these particular areas. I think that you know probably a lot of these older cases – when people did dare to report them, they would say that they were like werewolves. They look like the traditional movie werewolf. I mean, you know, you've got a big canid walking upright. Hey, it's a werewolf. And, of course, you know, to, to, to tell somebody you saw a werewolf, you know, out of like a Hammer horror film or, mm. uh, you know, the old classic horror movies isn't going to give you a lot of credibility. No. It's like, it's like you were saying earlier, I mean, you had all of these cases in Wisconsin around Bray Road uh, of werewolf, quotation marks around that, werewolves could have been, uh, could have been dog man. What's the difference, you know? <laughs> It's funny because when Linda Godfrey started checking into this, she was writing a uh, a column for, I think it was a, a little newspaper called The Week. She was doing cartoons and doing a little column. Well, she started hearing about these reports, and she went to the local sheriff, and he actually had a file folder there that said werewolf because mm. that's where he was keeping these reports he didn't know what to do with that people were – Credible people were seeing something out there in this area. So that kind of opened the floodgates. These things have been seen all over. Winged apparitions have been seen all over. Various types of Bigfoot-like creatures have been seen all over. I'm always asking 
Why do these things manifest, whether they're apparition or paraphysical or whatever? Is it something within us? Is it something, uh, a natural condition of the planet we just don't understand? I think that's kind of where Keel was. You know, on the other hand, when you look at some of the, the entity reports, Jacques Vallée did a great job in looking at various traditions and folklore. There are certainly connections with folkloric traditions and some modern-day UFO experiences. I guess most notably, we could talk about missing time. You know, from the Betty and Barney Hill experience on, very common in UFO encounters. And it was common when people would talk about the fairies or the little people would have this time distortion where they thought they were encountering the fairies for an hour, but the whole day had gone by. So there are definitely these these connections that are fascinating. You catalog them, you muse on them, and then it's just very hard to take it beyond that and try to understand what is going on. I I don't think, I suspect that these things are not necessarily all coming from us, all created by us. If if I were to use Albert Rosales' phrase, the others amongst us, it Mm. does seem like in some cases we have to be dealing with some kind of a other entity, some other being, wherever they come from, that there, there is actually a physicality and a separateness to some of these creatures, but them um, and try and uh, separate the wheat from the chaff and figure out objectively what's going on is very challenging. Well, that was one of John Keel's theory is that we were dealing with some other type of consciousness that exists outside of our reality and that for whatever reason is able to intrude upon our own do whatever it is that it does, and then disappear again. Yeah, he used the term ultra-terrestrial, which I guess he said he borrowed from Ivan Sanderson. In later years, he said he kind of used it as a literary device. It could have been something from another reality or, or on a different frequency, perhaps, would be a better way to put it. I think ultimately he was trying to come to grips with something that was much of it was natural to our planet. We got Steve, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Pericast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. 
President Biden is promising full federal support to people in Colorado affected by a devastating wildfire. Biden making the pledge to local residents Friday after touring the damage left by the Marshall Fire in Boulder County. About a thousand homes were destroyed and tens of thousands were forced to evacuate. Plenty of reactions still coming in to the December jobs report, which fell short of expectations, with 199,000 jobs being added compared to the estimated of more than 420,000. Chairman and CEO of Forbes Media, Steve Forbes, says a lot of this falls back on the administration. Ignores the fact that before the COVID crisis hit, American unemployment was lower. A lower income people's wages were rising at a faster pace than the rest of the workforce. USA Radio News. The United States reported around 1 million new COVID cases on Friday. This as a highly transmissible Omicron variant continues to spread. Meanwhile, President Biden on Friday told reporters he doesn't think COVID is here to stay. Dr. Bob Lahita, director for the autoimmune and rheumatic diseases at St. Joseph Health, says he differs from the president's stance and expects the virus to stick around. I think he's wrong. I think COVID is here to stay, just like influenza is here to stay. And I predict that when the pandemic goes away, we're going to have an endemic virus. And perhaps people will be creative and create a vaccine that will include both the flu and the coronavirus every year. That audio courtesy of Fox News, this year's Golden Globe set to take place Sunday will be a low-key ceremony with no audience. You're listening to USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 this is jennifer stein executive producer of the disclosure dialogues you're listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio It certainly is the PowerCast, and we have Stephen Ward and Tim Swartz, our special guest co-host. And Stephen is regaling us with all sorts of fascinating details about cryptids, about high strangeness. Go on, please. When we uh, when we lost connection there for a moment, I was talking to Tim about uh, these interesting patterns that show up. Of course, we have the in, in the literature we have all kinds of uh, uh, situations where the close proximity of a strange light or an apparent metallic craft causes a vehicle to stall. But there's other things that seem to affect automobiles. And uh, there was a case in 1960, North Cumberland, England. 
a woman named Dorothy Strong is in a taxi cab, and all of a sudden the cab stalls, and she and the cabbie look outside the window, and they see essentially a phantom army marching toward them in full uniform. But of course, they're translucent, and as the soldiers get closer to the taxi cab, they start to disappear. The fare meter in the cab was going nuts, and they felt like they were being kind of buffered by some kind of an invisible force field. Eventually, the army dissipates. Everything goes back to normal. Now, they said this was the Battle of Otterburn from 1388. And the reason they know that is because it has manifested before. And they know from the, uh, the, the uniform that that's what it, it was, the Battle of Otterburn. Now, we have uh, other stories of phantom armies from Gettysburg and so forth, something that uh, – that uh, doesn't happen all the time, but does occur. And I guess it isn't too much of a stretch to think that if a an apparition in a haunted house can drain a battery and a flashlight or a camera, that a phantom army might be enough to drain the power, at least temporarily, in an automobile. Uh, so then, let's get a little stranger. There was a gentleman named W.D. Doc Priestley, nicknamed Doc, and he's cruising along a two-lane near Marlington, West Virginia, along the uh, the state forest there. He's following up uh, a hunting bus of his buddies. They're going off somewhere, I guess, for their hunt. And all of a sudden, Priestley's car cruises to a stop, and he looks over to his left, and he sees a classic Bigfoot creature. Now, these things had been seen in the area at this time, and its hair seems to be standing on end a little bit, like there's some kind of static electricity or something going on. His buddies eventually see that he's not behind him. They're starting to come back toward him. The Bigfoot decides to recede back into the woods, and Priestley is able to start his car again. So he gets going, cruising down the road a little ways. All of a sudden, he doesn't tell his buddies, by the way. He's completely mum about what happened. So he gets a little ways down the road. Car stalls again. The engine starts smoking. And he looks over, and there's either his buddy is back or a kissing cousin. With the Bigfoot standing there, his car's engine is actually burned out. A friend of mine did some, uh, a woman named Zelia Edgar did some extra research into this and found out that this guy actually didn't tell anybody about this experience until months later because he was afraid his hunting buddies wouldn't come back to that area to go hunt because of the, the Bigfoot there. So that almost makes it believable, you know, that looking at this aspect of human nature, going to keep it quiet so his buddies wouldn't uh, abandon him on his hunt. There's other, Stan Gordon found some cases like that, where a close proximity of a Bigfoot seemed to be the cause of the car stalling. Of course, we can't be sure of that. But I, I want to give you my, my favorite vehicle stoppage of all time. It may not even be true. But there was a researcher named Elliot O'Donnell. His, he wrote several books in the late 1800s, early 1900s. We could probably call him one of the first paranormal investigators. His, this happened to his uncle, allegedly. He calls him Mr. B. And it's in Ireland. It's on a haunted road going toward Limerick. And Mr. B is being driven in his little carriage, one-horse carriage, by his servant named Dunkley. Now, I think that gives it kind of an air of authenticity. If you're going to make up a story, you're not going to say the servant's name is Dunkley, right? So they're cruising along. It's night, almost a full moon, very peaceful. And all of a sudden, the... Horse stops dead. 
Mr. B turns around. He sees the horse is shivering. Dunkley has a look of terror on his face, and he's in kind of a stupor. He can't seem to function. He looks down, and he sees a group of shadowy, translucent figures swarming around the cart. And he doesn't know what's going on, but he grabs the reins, breaks the spell, and they take off. They get some distance away. He asks his servant, what happened? What did you see? And he said, in his mind's eye, he saw a troop of dancing fairies making merry. And apparently, when the when you come upon upon the fairies, and they're uh, celebrating, they're they're making merry. That's bad news. They don't like that. So they look angry. They were starting to climb on the cart, and again, from his perspective, they were trying to pull him off. Mm. And this guy was terrified. I, again, who knows if it's true or not. But in so many modern-day experiences, people don't always experience exactly the same thing. Uh, look at Betty and Barney Hill. Betty was conscious in a live wire the whole time. Barney wasn't always conscious. Sometimes his eyes were closed. Sometimes I think he might have been asleep. I'm not sure. And while they had a very similar experience, uh, Jacques Vallée and others have pointed out that when you get into some of the detail, there were some notable differences. One is that one of them saw the aliens with sort of two slits for a nose. The other one saw more of a Jimmy Durante nose. Now, the young kids out there will have to Google Jimmy Durante, I guess, to know what the hell I'm talking about. And, of course, there's many abduction cases where people are – sometimes one person is awake, can see what's going on, and they can't even wake the other person. So I don't know if there's a parallel there or not. That definitely is my, my favorite uh, vehicle stoppage of all time when it comes to a cart and a horse. Uh, that brings us, though, to that commonality of unusual events happening on the roads. Uh, again, I mean, you know, you, you you could write multiple books on bizarre stuff that happens to people while they're driving, you know, on a road somehow. It, it's almost like these things want to be seen on roads. I mean, how many cases do we have of people seeing Bigfoot running across the road yes. in front of their car? How many cases of people being abducted uh, by UFOs when one comes and lands right in front of the car and uh, goes about its business? And I gave you the example of all the strange stuff going on in Lee Hample's property. This thing is seen occasionally. They've even captured what might be part of it, kind of a part of a silhouette of it on a one of these trap cameras. And again, you see occasionally you see this technology. Are they making mistakes? Are they unable to cloak themselves the whole time? Or are they allowing us to see so much, I don't know, to uh, to guide our belief systems or whatever? I think maybe that even, uh, Tim, comes into the kind of the trickster aspect of all this. Uh, there is an element of the, the, just sort of the mindless, not so much monsters from the id, but that, that trickster trickster aspect that Carl Jung talked about and exists in so many traditions. You know, I think about, uh, well, this the Skinwalker Ranch, and I'm talking about uh, more the book than the TV show, The Hunt for the Skinwalker by Knapp and Kelleher. If you isolate certain aspects of that, you think, well, this is ET or, or beings coming from some other dimension. If you look at all the aspects of it, you get poltergeist phenomena, weird disembodied voices. You get displaced objects. Uh, remember the story about the uh, the prize bowls that uh, the moment uh, Gwen Sherman 
said to her husband, this is in the midst of all the craziness that's going on there. She said, I pray nothing ever happens to those bulls. Hmm. They get back in 20 minutes and they're not in the pen. And they're frantic. There's no tracks or whatever. They find them crammed in this white trailer, abandoned trailer that they haven't even used. And they're in kind of a stupor. They finally wake them up. They bust their way out. It takes hours to regroup them. And I found that's another interesting pattern, displaced livestock. The uh, the, the animal mutilation aspects are creepy enough. But uh, if you look at, there's another series of bizarre events that occurred in southwest Wales, dubbed Wales, chronicled by uh, F.W. Holiday. Let's talk about okay. that in our next segment with Steve, Tim, and Gene. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you feel America is facing more dangers than ever, you're right. An increasing number of things are falling apart daily. That's why you need to prepare for more of the unexpected, and that includes food shortages. When people panic, grocery stores run out of food fast. Would you survive without food for days, weeks, even months? The smart folks are buying emergency food now. Take this moment to shop MyPatriotSupply.com. We're America's leader in preparedness. My Patriot Supply has earned over 47,000 four-star and five-star reviews. Our delicious food kits average 2,000 calories per day and last up to 25 years in storage. So it's there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, order a food kit or two, and we'll ship quickly and discreetly to your door. Don't wait for the news to tell you something bad happened again. Rather, be more self-reliant and prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. 
Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue with... All these high strangest events, Steve? Parallels with Displaced Livestock. Uh, a great book I recommend, and there are actually several books on these uh, these occurrences. took place primarily in 1977 in a place called Dubbed Wales, and that's spelled D-Y-F-E-D. F.W. Holliday, known as the uh, a, a Loch Ness researcher, and Randall Pugh, another excellent UFO investigator, they investigated all these bizarre occurrences in this section of Wales over this year, this particular year. They uh, seven-foot silver-suited giants uh, coming out of egg-shaped craft. There were little guys that looked kind of like leprechauns uh, coming out of the same type craft, slanted eyebrows, curved nose, all wearing these little silver suits. They had, it was just a, a, a three-ring circus of the paranormal and a lot of possible parallels with folklore. Well, uh, the Riverston Farm, Billy Coombs, he was a cattle farmer, and he had, they had 100 cattle penned up. One night, the pen is still locked up, and they're all gone. Where are they? A half mile away on the Broadmoor farm. Now, some people said, okay, it was a prankster. They opened up the gate, and they herded one night all these hundred cattle a half mile away past the window where they sleep, and they didn't wake up, and led them to the Broadmoor farm as some kind of a practical joke. Okay. A couple days later, Billy Coombs separates 16 of these cows, and he puts them in a pen. He turns around, goes into the barn, turns on the milk machines, and turns around to come back to lead them in. So essentially, the same thing happened. These 16 cows end up a half mile away at the Broadmoor farm. The other thing about this being a hoax, I, I don't know how they could have gotten those cows, 16 cows out of there. But maybe the milk machines were allowed, I don't know. But the cows would actually have to travel to a point and then make a 90-degree a, a angle turn. Uh, cows usually don't 
you know, make those kinds of decisions by themselves. Another bizarre case of this uh, displacement. And, and in the midst of this, there's all kinds of aerial phenomena, uh, strange creatures. Uh, you even have there's there's a, a uh, people that were in close proximity to these seven foot silver suited giants that they said looked like they were wearing boiler suits. Some of them uh, developed a dermatological condition they couldn't identify. Well, there's something called elf burn from the old days that if people encountered the elves, they would get some kind of a strange condition. Can't say it's the same thing. Who knows? But then I was fortunate to interview a man named Alan Godfrey. He was the famous abduction case, 1980, Todd Morden, England. And he was uh, he was called out because the people were finding cows in this gated community. I mean, they couldn't figure out how, you know, who opened the gate, how did they get in there? So uh, Godfrey thinks at first it's just a joke, and he's talking to uh, one of the uh, uh, older ladies that reported it, and she said, I may be old, but I'm not crazy. And, in fact, they find these cows. She also saw a strange light in the area may or may not be connected. So Godfrey... On his way back to the, this is early morning, on his way back to the police station, has a classic flying saucer encounter. He even makes a, a draw, a draws a diagram of it. Uh, I think it's recounted in his, in, in his book, Why Are They Here? And he's getting some notoriety now. They're making, I think they're making a movie about his experience. So he gets back to the police station, and then later on he realizes, oh, wait a minute, I'm missing about 25 minutes or a half hour. So... Months go by, he pursues it, undergoes regressive hypnosis. His, his case is other similar, possibly fairy or folklore overtones. The, it does have the little short guys that were so ugly he couldn't look at them that sounded kind of like greys. He had the tall figure, which is uh, uh, so often in these cases, there's a tall grey or a tall, almost angelic type person that seems to be in control or whatever. This man called himself Yosef. He looked human and he was wearing these white robes and they had a conversation. Well, under hypnosis, he gets to a point where there's a pause and Godfrey says, there's a bloody dog in here Hmm. and it's hideous. There was a large black dog, according to his testimony under hypnosis, in this ostensibly extraterrestrial craft sort of what shades of the black shuck perhaps the the black spectral dog that haunts the the moors and the the ancient castles of uh, of england so again we're talking about different cases with some different situations but you get some of these patterns where you in these cases you get this displaced livestock. Uh, there was even supposed to have been another case on the Skinwalker Ranch in years uh, earlier where a couple cows were found in a barn, a small shed, I guess, stacked on top of each other. Uh, things, it brings up the, the shades of the trickster again, or maybe maybe I'm using the trickster in relation to things that I just can't fathom, try to make some logical sense of it. So that's that's uh, one of the, another pattern. Um you know, John Keel, uh, he had these great catchphrases, and one was, ask the contactee what they had for breakfast. Now, of course, he didn't literally want, want to know if they had post-toasties or not, but he wanted to get to, to the, uh, the uh, investigator to find out all about that individual. So I 
decided to start to do that uh, because he found that uh, people that had a a paranormal experience or, or, or an objection experience, they might have had experiences all their life or had other kinds of experiences. A few years ago, a young lady named Missy contacted me from New Hampshire. She had had a missing time experience, she and her husband. Now, at this point, she had not uh, made a breakthrough through hypnosis to find out what, what may have happened to her. And they lived, lived near Londonderry, New Hampshire. Uh, they were not far from an airport. They were very familiar with the lights and the aircraft that went over. This one morning, they're standing out on the porch very early, and they see these strange lights coming toward them, and they don't know what they are. Suddenly, they're not standing next to each other anymore. It's a little bit lighter out, and they look up, and they see this giant black triangle so low, it's touching the tops of the treetops. And they did what so many people do in these experiences. They didn't even think about it. They didn't talk about it. They went to bed, went back to bed. Later on that morning, she realized they were missing time. And so she was on a quest to find out. Uh, and, and like I say, at that point, she had not been successful. But I, I asked her a series of John Keel-style questions. And to make a long story short, here's what I found out. Uh, they were experiencing haunting phenomena in their house. They were having electrical problems in their house. Uh, both her sons were experiencing orb phenomena. The youngest one was seeing these golden orbs dancing outside his window at night. The other son had a, a ball of light come up to him in the house, circle him, and then go off through a wall in another part of the house. And at one point I said, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I knew that people that were, had, would have these experiences may have also had some kind of a cryptid experience. So I asked her, I said, have you ever seen anything like a Bigfoot or some kind of an animal that you couldn't explain? And she said, no. And she said, oh, wait a minute. My mother-in-law and sister-in-law saw something very strange near this property, and this thing was seen twice. And what they described was something that looked like a black panther only standing on two legs. So if I was – if my sensibilities, if my research abilities were frozen in the 1960s, I would have said, oh, I hope you make your breakthrough with your – under hypnosis and find out – where the aliens came from and what they did. But because others, and, and Rosemary Ellen Guiley, by the way, she, uh, I saw her speak at a Mothman festival one time. She was, she was investigating experiences of shadow people. She discovered that, to her surprise, that a significant percentage of people that had some kind of a bedroom invader or, or saw a shadow person or apparition somewhere were also classic alien abductees. You know, I want to ask you about this before we go on, because there is a lot of dispute with regard to the value of using hypnosis to recover memories of any traumatic experience, whether it's alien abductions and others. As a matter of fact, Kevin Randall was co-author of a book that very much covered that subject, and we've talked about it, where maybe the hypnotic session, if under proper controls without leading the witness, could help somewhat, but... If it's bringing back memories that are otherwise suppressed, it may just end up not being an accurate representation of what really happened to the person. I wanted to get your viewpoint on that as we move to our next segment. We're talking with Stephen Ward. He has for many, many years been exploring the high strangeness aspect of the strange and unknown. And I'm told he's also interested in the 
Richard Shaver mystery. I want to ask him about that a little bit later. In any case, our guest co-host this week is Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. John Hess, 5 out of 5 stars. Awesome. Probably my only review, but at age 40, I was getting bad heart throb and left arm pain, mainly before bed. I even stopped smoking and drinking sodas for a month, and that didn't work. After one day of taking Extendivite, it was gone and hasn't returned in three years. I've ordered Extendivite 13 times, so Amazon just said. Juliet Hordick. I've ordered this product before in liquid form. It is fantastic. My whole family's been on it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I think there that Tim wanted to sound like what he thought a Dero might sound like, but we'll get to Shaver maybe later, maybe in our premium show. In the meantime, Steve, the question, the concerns about hypnotic regression, what do you think? Yes, it, just prior to that, just to explain, uh, this young lady, Missy, also experienced shadow people. So she was a classic case of someone that had more than just this missing time experience. But to your point, this, this lady did eventually make this breakthrough, and it's very interesting to hear it. But when I talked to both her and Alan Godfrey, they both, to their credit, said, I don't know if this really happened to me, they, they both seem to be aware that of the dangers of going under regressive hypnosis, you know, even if the hypnotherapist is very careful and doesn't ask leading questions with the amount of media that's out there, God only knows what the subconscious mind might conjure up that has no reality at all. So both of them, you know, heard 
what their experience was on the tape recorder, but they weren't sure if that's what actually happened. So if, if there's some way to recover, I guess there are other techniques. But yes, I think it's very dangerous. Uh, I, I might have even... Uh, it, uh, it's very tenuous. I might have had a little bit of missing time near the TNT area once, but I, I didn't document the time and all that stuff. But I will not go into regressive hypnosis to find out. I just don't don't trust that. As fascinating as I will admit that it is to hear about some of these experiences, I hesitate to uh, – I would allow people to make their own decision, but I would very hesitate – to tell people that you're going to get truth out of these these uh, regressive hypno, uh, hypnotherapist sessions. There are so many cases, though, that you were just referring to, and you know, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. You, you talked about Alan Godfrey and the, the ugly dog in the, uh, the the UFO, that area that he lived in. I mean, all kinds of of legends of the black shuck, you know, the giant black dogs. And the connection with all these other cryptid creatures is that oftentimes the black dog is seen with large glowing red eyes. Yes. Yes. So that, uh, you know, I, I think I remember uh, Keel suggesting one time that, you know, sometimes the, the entity, whether it's a giant bird or, or a humanoid entity, sometimes they seem to be glowing. He thought, mm-hmm. at least he wrote it one time, that he thought perhaps that was an indication that it wasn't a physically real experience, that it might have been some kind of a apparition or projection or something like that. But those are the things we, we need to be aware of because, for the most part, we don't hear about animals that uh, generate their own glow except in the deep oceans. I guess there are some exceptions, but that uh, I think that is an indication that it just it shows that so many of these things are connected somehow. Um, let, me, let me give you uh, another example. I have uh, spoken at the Van Meter Visitor Festival. Now, the Van Meter Visitor was a book researched by Chad Lewis, Kevin Nelson, and Noah Voss, and they found this great piece of, call it history, call it folklore, from 1903 in Van Meter, Iowa, which is just west of Des Moines. And several of the prominent townspeople, from bankers to salesmen or whatever, saw this winged creature that looked something like a pterodactyl. But it had very strange properties. It had a a glow, like a flashlight or something, coming from its beak or the horn on its beak. And also, when it was in proximity of some people, it would it wouldn't just give off an odor, but they missed they were had missing time. It's almost like it created amnesia. So you have this thing that you have the glowing light, which shows up in so many humanoid cases, or whether they're red glowing eyes or a light on their chest, or whether they're holding some kind of a a uh, weapon or a ray gun or device, and uh, you also have the missing time distortion. Yet, sometimes they would see this thing acting like a real bird. One guy saw it close up, uh, to kind of across the street. It was standing on the top of a telephone pole, and as it moved down the telephone pole, it used its beak just like a parrot does, climbing down an an obstruction in its cage. So again, we get this bizarre paradox, like like the Mothman is the best paradox. It's 
people see it. There's a, a certain reality to it. It may even be leaving physical footprints. Uh, it does, does have physical effects on people, but it's, it's not a likely not a physical flesh and blood being. So then this, uh, this, this, this Van Meter visitor was seen a few times and it was seen near the mine. And then it, uh, was seen with another one and apparently disappeared into the mine and uh, uh, they actually closed up the mine at one point. So how real was this? Again, you had several prominent people see this thing, but it didn't simply act like a giant bird. It had these other bizarre characteristics. So again, maybe Keel was onto something and some of these other researchers. Perhaps when we see these lights, uh, maybe they're the real aspect of the creature of the phenomena but what we appear to see behind it or surrounding it is something that is illusory not a hallucination but something that is illusory where we aren't really seeing the creature or the thing as it really is so how do we deal with this and ufos that may have different high strangeness aspects to them in a world where people are looking at physical things, you look at a UFO, it's like looking at an airplane. You look at Bigfoot, well, you could see a giraffe over there or a little dog or a Bigfoot. It's the same thing, no difference in terms of your perception. But obviously, that's a totally different story. Now, I should mention here that in the new defense budget for the U.S., where they set up this UAP office, one of the things they're looking into and not something mentioned in the media, by the way, is human effects. Interesting. Finally, uh, where, you know, I, I predicted for the longest time that the government wouldn't acknowledge this at all. And apparently they, they have a little bit, but they, I, I, when, if we really hit pay dirt on this with the government research, I will still be surprised. Well, I'll go along with that, but they're certainly looking for human effects. That, of course, is the influence of Robert Bigelow and the people from his organization, Dr. Kelleher, of course. Well, remember the coin helicopter incident where the uh, National Guardsman had a close brush with a UFO over Mansfield, Ohio, and he dove the helicopter down to avoid it, but he knew he was going to hit the ground. But somehow this craft seemed to, I don't know, lock him in a tractor beam or whatever. They both went up. They both avoided the, uh, the disaster, and there were several witnesses. But afterwards, they started having weird out-of-body experiences, and it turned out the Pentagon was actually talking to Coyne, the leader. He was, he was asking them to find out what the effects were on his men, what, who else was ha were having these out-of-body experiences. So that's uh, – yeah, that's a key figure. That is that is very. I didn't know that. That's really amazing that they're actually starting to look into that. Uh, how much of that will we find out, though, will be made public? Now, just to give a reference there, that's in a press release from Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida. He was one of the people who spearheaded the drive with Democrats too to include this item as part of the Pentagon budget. So, yeah, we have to see what it means. But the problem with something like that is you see it, you read it, you say, aha, they're getting it, folks. But then there's nobody there at the Pentagon to whom you can ask this question. Yeah. He could think all sorts of different things. He could say, well, it's 
just another thing. We want to look at human perception, everything else. He doesn't have to say, well, all these side effects and like that. My opinion is if they're asked, they will just spin it away. It's not something they would ever consider to address directly. We have Steve, we have Tim, we have Gene, and we're having a lot of fun, a lot more to talk about. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this... Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to Veterans 
different nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're going to continue with Steve Ward for the remainder of the show. He'll also join us on our premium show after the Paracast. Let us continue here. So... Obviously, Steve, we're looking here at enlightenment on the part of the U.S. government. But as you say, you don't expect a lot. I don't expect a lot either. I didn't expect anything to come from this Pentagon UFO study now replaced with another UFO office, which will then be replaced by a third or a fourth or whatever. Well, so long as uh, uh, Condon doesn't come back and uh, <laughs> and try to <laughs> not solve the mystery. Well, um, right now they've got the Ouija boards back there at the Pentagon to recall him. <laughs> well, that might be uh, give us a little more accuracy, something to look forward to. There's there are, are so many interesting cases where, uh, again, I, I like uh, Tim's uh, uh, remark about legs. You guys remember the Joe Symington, right? And the cosmic pancakes from outer space. Well, I think it was Eagle River, Wisconsin, April 61. Uh, Joe Symington is a plumber by trade and a chicken farmer by day. He's finishing up his late breakfast dishes. He's on his farm kind of uh, in the middle of nowhere. And he hears this god-awful racket. He looks outside and sees a classic UFO, a bowl on top and a bowl on the bottom. And there's a door that's open in it. He goes outside. It looks like there's people in there. Doesn't seem to be too threatening. He approaches and he sees these men, three or four of them. They're, uh, he said they had kind of swarthy complexions. They were wearing turtlenecks and some kind of a knit cap. And he could see inside, and it, it looked like, well, it was kind of a grill, like a flameless grill in the background. But anyway, the, the gentleman that seemed to be the leader hands Joe a chalice or a bucket or something like that that is like chrome silver. It looks like the same metal that his that their uh, craft is made out of. And he indicates through gestures, not through telepathy or speech, that he would like water in it. So at least that's what Joe figures. He goes to his well, puts some water in it, and brings it back. And as sort of an exchange, he sees that on this flameless grill, one of them is cooking something that looks like pancakes. And they give him three or four of them. And that's the whole exchange. They close up their their hatch and they take off. Well, 
uh, there's so many fascinating things about this. In the first place, the Air Force does investigate, and they think that Joe is telling the truth as he knows it, but he must have fallen asleep and had a dream. I'm not sure how he dreamed up the pancakes, but they decided to examine them anyway. A story that they think is not real, they take taxpayers' money and decide they're going to figure out what ingredients are in this pancake. But also, there's a local judge there that knows Joe, thinks he's an honest man, and so he interviews him. And he starts out a little tongue-in-cheek, and he says, Joe, what what do these guys look like, little green men? And Joe said, no, Judge. They were swarthy-looking, kind of like Italians. And so I doubt that there is a was a secret Italian space program at the time, but I don't well, know. Well, you never know. I mean, we have all sorts of conspiracy theories. So Keel reports this in Trojan Horse. He republishes part of a news conference that General Spatz had. General Spatz, one of the big generals of World War II. And somewhere in there he says, and I don't know if he was kidding, I don't know the context, but he says, there's no truth to the rumor that Spaniards are driving flying saucers or that they're coming from Spain. So at the same time, same time Keel says he was getting reports from people that would sometimes see very human-looking individuals that kind of look like some of the men in black that we hear about. But the reports, the, the individuals reporting them may not have been terribly sophisticated. They would say something like, well, they look kind of European or, or dark foreign types or whatever. They could have been Joe Symington's for the Italians or or Spaniards, perhaps. But anyway, he's getting these reports. And like like I say, there's kind of a similarity, possibly, to some of the Men in Black reports. Again, doesn't make lots, a lot of sense. Now, to regress here a minute, uh, Jacques Vallée quoted extensively Evans Wentz in the Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. Wentz went around in the early 1900s, talked to people about their experience with the little people, with the fairies, one-on-one, I mean, experiences that they said they had in the same way we go around and talk to Bigfoot and UFO witnesses. There was an Irishman that told him, told Wentz, that, look, the fairies drink pure water, eat fresh meat, but they never take salt. When the Air Force, according to Valet, uh, when they examined these pancakes, they were just like terrestrial pancakes, except there was no sodium in them. Now, again, what to make of that, I don't know. But then another really interesting aspect is the water collection. Look, if this is a real case, a real event, who knows? Uh, if it happened 100 or 200 years earlier, they would have said, Joe had an encounter with the fairies, even though they showed up in a strange metallic chariot. So the water collection is so odd. Did they, uh, did they come down from their mothership and their, their interior water system fail? Was it to examine? I mean, why would they take an external source of water out? And we know in the literature there's cases where the UFO as a saucer lands on a lake. A hose goes in. There's other cases where they say that they've seen the craft hover above a lake and literally suck water up out of it. There is that tradition. But there's one interesting one that took place in mid-50s in California. John Black and his buddy, they were miners. They were out alone. Over the past month, they'd been seeing a strange craft in the sky, didn't know what it was, thought maybe it's military. At one point, John Black is in the woods. He sees what he thinks is a little boy fishing by the stream. He gets closer, and it's not a little boy. It's a strange entity that's wearing kind of a tunic with buckles. Well, he's dipping a bucket into the water, 
He takes the bucket and carries the water, goes outside into a clearing. Black follows him at a distance, and this little guy, according to the report, climbs up this ladder into one of these strange craft that they had seen before and collects water in the same manner that they swore the Italians from outer space got from Joe Symington. Well, so, I can tell you also why they wanted to eat salt-free pancakes. Their cardiologist told them they had to clean up their diets. Well, probably a good idea. Again, you get these crazy connections. But this takes us back to the, the folklore aspect. When I read people like Jacques Vallée, Joshua Cutchin is a more recent researcher looking into the, the uh, fairy connection. Yes, uh, we know I, Joshua. Yeah, good man. He was on my show as well. Great researcher. His notes are so extensive in his book that he has forced me to buy dozens of books that I didn't have. But I agree with both those gentlemen in that we're not suggesting that leprechauns are driving flying saucers. And we're not suggesting that UFO occupants used to sport little green tunics and red caps. So, uh, again, interesting parallels need to be recorded, but what does it tell us? What does it tell us about the, the reality or the physicality of these things? Um, are we back to the phantom menagerie again, or, or monsters from the id, where these things manifest, but uh, their source, the reason, remains elusive? We'll have more monsters from the id for your edification and entertainment pleasure. No, I'm not serious there. Semi-serious. But we have... Tim and Steve and Gene, you're in the Paracost. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. In just over a week, President Biden will be in office one full year, and Republicans are already trying to issue their year-end reviews on his performance, getting very low marks from high-profile South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. The American people are suffering. Uh, our money uh, is being eroded by record inflation. We're less safe. We're less prosperous. Crime is rampant uh, across the country. Inflation is roaring, and radical Islam is on the rise, and it's due to Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, and Harris. That's the worst governing coalition in my lifetime. 
He spoke on Fox News. The U.S. House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot is reportedly going to ask former Vice President Mike Pence to appear before the panel. Several Pence aides have been cooperating with that committee. And you're listening to USA Radio News. East Texas is now bracing for a round of possible tornadoes as severe weather has been predicted in the Houston area in particular, also as far north as Shreveport. The forecast calling for severe thunderstorms, possible hail, flash flooding, damaging wind gusts, and some isolated tornadoes. Despite the current rush that's been going on because of the holiday, fewer Americans are flying these days, as we hear from USA Radio's Tim Berg. That's according to a Gallup survey which said fewer Americans traveled by air last year than any other year in its records between 2003 and 2015. Only 38% of United States adults polled said they had taken at least one trip on a commercial airliner over the past year. That number is down from the 2006 to 2015 period when 43% to 48% of Americans said they traveled by air. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free, 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter-producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Monsters from the id. I still like that, the fact that that is co-creation, isn't it? Because remember that the doctor interacted with the alien hardware in order to build this super powerful creature, the monsters of the id. Quite a sophisticated concept for 1950s-style sci-fi. I mean, everything else was pretty straight ahead. Here was something where it was a genuine mystery, and only towards the end of the film do you realize who the real villain is. Yeah, it was a great MacGuffin. It makes that, I mean, they did a nice job. The, the, uh, the special effects and, and the, the production values were also great. It, that made it uh, a really fine movie. But the thing that made it memorable was the, uh, this great plot line, which anything that can make one think and wonder, uh, it just adds so much to the film. And I think that's one of the main reasons it's lasted for so long. But uh, again, I will admit up front that I don't have that many answers. But you know what? That the good news is, I think, that we have – made progress. I mean, look, if you look back in the, the days of APRO, 
the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, Jim and Carl Lorenzen. I used to love to read their books about flying saucer occupants. And I remember there was a, uh, I think a 1970s special on UFOs. They had them once in a while. They were interviewing Jim Lorenzen. And he said, now they, they started to get involved in this early, I think in the early 50s. He said, you know, we, we thought that in a few years we were going to solve this mystery. But here it was all the way into the 70s, and they hadn't solved it. And here we are well past the millennium, and we haven't. But I think we have made some progress in that nobody ever used to talk about these patterns or parallels. It just really didn't happen. They looked at UFOs, cryptids, haunting phenomena, all as very separate categories. I have to admit this. When I would get my Fate magazine off the newsstands, I had no use for anything except the UFO article. So I would cut the UFO article out and throw the rest in the wastebasket. Think if you kept those magazines, you'd have something. I've I've replaced them, fortunately. Okay. You can still kind of do that, by the way, if you check with Phyllis Galdi, the publisher of Fate at FateMag.com. I believe it is FateMag.com. They still have some of those vintage issues available. And they they won't soak you for the price, but it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth checking things out because they had such a wide range of material. And to think where that started, how early in the UFO field. Fate magazine. Anyway, let's go on, Steve. Let's continue to theorize about the forces behind this. And what I'd like you to do here is hanging with us with our premium show. Let's focus on Richard Shaver there because I'll give you a hint. Keep you going. I knew Shaver for probably the last 10, 12 years of his life. Let's go on, Steve, and talk about what's going on. Well, uh, what we here's let what me we, let me bring up something uh, for you, Steve. Yes. That'll you know uh, help you, help you go on here. Uh, the interesting thing about the phenomena is just when you think that you maybe have a handle on what's going on, it takes a ninety degree turn and you're left back in the dust again. Yes, it, you, you think, oh, I've got we've got part of this nailed. And then something just bizarre happens. Um, I, I remember uh, uh, Keel would entertain some really bizarre notions, like perhaps these uh, were not aliens, but they were coming from the deep ocean. And he didn't publicize any of this. And then the next week, he got a report from somebody that, that encountered a sort of a man in black type individual that appeared to have gills underneath his turtleneck. Um, so there, there is, again, that goes back to the possible reflective factor and so forth. So, but, but let's think about that. If that's the case, and it does seem to be the case, Tim, then that's one of the things that would suggest that there must be some kind of a, uh, a component that deals with human consciousness. I mean, there's, there's no other way to explain it. And again, it's that, uh, uh, that that something deep in the uh, collective unconscious, perhaps, that prevents us from understanding what's going on. I, I think it, it kind of uh, suggests that uh, that you know aspects of this are pretty much along the lines as Keel hypothesized. Something uh, I used to think I used to I used to say things like we're dealing with uh, psychic projections or of a collective human subconscious but 
if that's the case, why do we see certain things? We see certain kinds of cryptids, things in the sky. Why don't we see Professor Dumbledore flying on a broom somewhere if you know, I mean, that these these characters out of fiction are so embedded in human consciousness. Why aren't we seeing those? Why is the phenomena selective, at least in a very general sense? Another thing that leads me to believe that there must be some kind of a a a, a collective consciousness or human consciousness aspect of it is that when you I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Utah UFO Display, which preceded the, uh, the hunt for the skinwalker. Uh, Junior Hicks was a, uh, a, a high school teacher in Utah, in the Uinta Valley area. And Frank Salisbury wrote a book on his research and experiences. You open up the book and you look at the, this two-page spread of the craft they're supposed to have seen there, and they're all different. If you go back into the old Saga UFO reports and see all these uh, illustrations of these different craft, they're all different. I mean, there are some general similarities, of course. And the same with some of the occupants. Um, I remember one time when we had a uh, an informal UFO group, our sort of de facto leader, we, leader, we, we were sitting in a restaurant, and he drew uh, – facsimiles of the Antonio Villas Boas aliens, the Betty and Barney Hill aliens, and a couple other ones. And there was kind of a similarity in the eyes, for the most part. We're back to the eyes again. He was suggesting that perhaps the the outer casing or whatever wasn't was maybe just for show. But again, there are certain things that uh, it's like when the devil, a manifestation was the devil, would show up. There are certain aspects of the of the person that was wrong, not quite right, that would suggest that it was something other than what it seemed. But uh, so again, I'm going down that road again of, of the human consciousness and the reflective nature of this. I, I mean, look at the... Uh, it, look at the ghost lights. Uh, go go back in in history, and you know you had dragon tracks. You had in one era, if you saw a light going through the sky, it was obviously it was a witch carrying her lantern on a broom. And in another time, they would be called fairy lights. Sometimes they were called foo fighters. And sometimes in the great uh, the the airplane mysteries, the, uh, the the scare ships, the the ghost flyers and so forth. Sometimes people didn't actually see the structure or the craft. They saw just the light. Uh, perhaps, again, perhaps that's the only objectively real part of this. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are some uh, situations. Look, if there's one crashed saucer, one real experience of a crashed saucer, that puts it right into the realm of the physical. And I don't know that that's not the case. I've been very skeptical of a lot of those reports, but I can't rule them out. Uh, it does seem to me that that there are some cases where we must, we're probably dealing with some kind of an other intelligence. And I wonder if that's the case, could we hypothesize that they are aware of that we create our own UFOs perhaps sometimes, that we that we that there's this mechanism in human consciousness. Would another intelligence be aware of that? And if they were, would they be able to manipulate that? 
would they be able to sort of hide what they're doing, create images for us through their force of will or technology? Another okay. segment with Steve and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's a fact. The best time to prepare for bad times is during good times. When you know a big storm is coming, you prepare in advance. Same goes for our future. Things seem calm right now. So it's the perfect time to prepare for the next big crisis or disaster. That's why you should stock up on emergency food from MyPatriotSupply.com. We're America's largest preparedness company with millions of happy, well-prepared customers. Our food kits stay fresh for up to 25 years. They're an insurance policy you can eat. When you need it, it'll be there. Shop dozens of food storage kits now at MyPatriotSupply.com. Our kits give you an abundance of food, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Every family member in America needs one of these kits. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab a few. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it before the peanut butter hits the fan again. MyPatriotSupply.com You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. 
Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. You're almost implying, Steve, there that the force behind all this may be hiding in plain sight. It's right there for everyone to see, but they're manipulating the results. It might be. I'm suggesting, as others have, that if there were no UFOs or aliens, we would probably still create something. We would probably still be creating uh, essentially a folklore and so forth. But what if there actually is? What if both exist? And I'm, I've been kind of entertaining that, and a lot of people don't like that. I understand it because I didn't like the idea either. But if both those things have some validity, then we can start to explain perhaps everything or in a general sense to some degree again there's no way to prove it and the the other thing is the messages we get from these beings i've always been fascinated by channeling as well george van tassel right under giant rock and he ran those great spacecraft conventions in california in the 50s 60s up to 1970 i think he taught Trevor James Constable, how to channel the guy that captured the allegedly captured the the sky critters over the Mojave Desert with uh, with infrared photography. If the thing is, if you go closer to the present, you have Carla Ruckart and Don Elkins, and they're the ones that uh, Carla Ruckart is the one that supposedly channeled Ra. That's like R A, the the Egyptian Ra. And if you look at the messages. There are similar patterns that show up, some of the names of the entities, some of the things that they claim are going on behind the scenes. For example, different sets of channelers from different eras and from different backgrounds and different geography uh, have said that the bad aliens come from the Orion group. The good ones come from the Pleiades. There are several things like that that keep showing up. Keel. We talked about the great phonograph in the sky. People, we keep getting these messages over and over again. The same stuff. The people that get them, they think that they're the first ones to receive this information. But it's been going on before. So this is just another connection to whatever is going on in the background. Keel's idea of the super spectrum has always been intriguing. Again, I think he used it as kind of a device, but that there are these energies and things that we can't see, they're beyond us. But when people often will get messages and 
it's about the end of the world or a, a quest or a mission they have to perform. These things are often vacuous and have no substance to them. So I think one has to be very careful about the messages received from the saucermen, from uh, channelers, from certainly from Ouija boards. But even though these patterns show up, well, why do the patterns show up? There must be something, some connection in consciousness where some of these things seem to repeat themselves. We could be tapping, of course, into a universal consciousness that we all share, but we have different levels of abilities that we could use. And it may be that when we see something in the sky or cryptid or anything, it's giving us a message, but we have to know what the message is. I go back since we will talk about Shaver during the premium show after the Paracast about Ray Palmer once saying that flying saucers are here to make us think. Yes, I remember that. And they certainly are doing that. The other aspect about these messages and people becoming psychic or whatever, sometimes people that have these experiences all of a sudden become sensitive or psychic. Stan Gordon's case, the incredible case in 73, where the craft landed, 15 people in the vicinity in this rural farmhouse saw it. The one man breaks away with his thirty odd six. He sees the craft on the ground. There's a couple of Bigfoot like creatures. I alluded to them before with green glowing eyes, sounding like the sound of a baby. He shoots at them. The craft disappears. And then there's this glow left. The state police come. It's quite an involved story. But what I want to get to is when he's out there showing Stan Gordon and his team what's going on, or describing what had happened. Everything was gone by that time. He had a spell. He started growling and stomping his feet and collapsed. Afterwards, when he came to, he said I, he didn't remember any of that. What he remembered was a Grim Reaper-type character that gave him dire predictions of the future if we didn't change our ways. And then he became psychic. He was able to predict airplane crashes and that sort of thing when nothing like that happened before. So there's that connection. When it brings us into that, perhaps we're drawn into this super spectrum, whatever that actually means, and we can become closer to the phenomenon. And then we have to wonder what the phenomenon wants of us, if anything. Or if they are here to just mess around with us, that gets to the trickster element that my old friend Chris O'Brien wrote about. Yes. Where does that leave us? This stuff is endlessly fascinating. I remember a few times back in the 60s and 70s, I wanted to throw in the towel because nobody was making any progress. And there was all this infighting in various groups. But you just pull back in. There's, I couldn't you know, separate myself from these mysteries and delving into them. I, I just I just can't do it. It's something you could never give up. No matter what you do, you get yourself sucked into looking into this. You say, I'm going to quit ufology or cryptozoology or being a Fortean. And then something happens, inevitably, hand back in it again. I think it goes to the heart of, uh, very cliche-ish, but it goes to the heart of our existence and the, the basic questions we ask, why Why are we here? There is something to all this that is connected to that. I don't think we can you know, give this up any more than we can give up any kind of quest for knowledge. 
Well, certainly we also see glimmers of the future, like we look at flying saucers and say, hey, that's a way to fly. Maybe we could build our own flying saucers, which we have done. Maybe it gives us ideas to take us to the future where we will be flying into space, kind of like Star Trek did in terms of sci-fi. Perhaps the 1897 airships did that for us in, in our evolution of flight. It seems like so many of these experiences and manifestations were always a little bit ahead of our, our progress or whatever, something we couldn't really achieve at that time. One of the things that always intrigued me were these mysterious ghost flyers that showed up in the 30s up in northern Sweden, these giant planes with sometimes four sets of propellers on each wing coming out of the north somewhere and there's no explanation for it, yet people saw it. Indeed. Steve Ward, would you tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you work on? Well, I'm on Facebook as Steve Ward, but I would type in Battle Creek if you want to find the right Steve Ward. I have a a a Facebook webpage called The Phantom Menagerie. I have a podcast called The High Strangeness Factor on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. And uh, with my co-host, Andy Mercer, we explore all these things. And you can also find me weekly on the uh, Mac Maloney's Military X-Files as a correspondent. And I'll be speaking at the Beast of Bray Road Conference again at the end of April. Really looking forward to it. That's April 2022 for those who are tuning in a little bit late because this is being broadcast on the 9th of January 2022. Okay, folks, you can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast. You can also find us on Facebook. But Facebook won't let us put the URL for theparacast.com on Facebook because they're screwy. All right, I'm not going to try to get into Facebook stuff because I'll do a separate radio show about that, and that'll be the technology radio show. In any case, we also offer branded merchandise where we have the T-shirts and the throw pillows and everything with very fancy Paracast logos, some developed by one of our former co-hosts, J. Randall Murphy. Go to theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop, and... We're going to hear more from Steve Ward on After the Paracast, which is offered to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. For more info, go to theparacast.plus. You get After the Paracast Plus this show, the Paracast, free of the network ads with a higher quality audio. So it sounds even better than ever. For more information, go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, to save 20% on five-year and lifetime subscriptions to the Paracast Plus, theparacast.plus. Steve Ward, great meeting you. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene and Tim. It's been a great experience. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.